Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 37 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. Today I'm going to talk about final preparations before going sugar and flour free. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, I've been talking about how to finally break free of your sugar addiction and been challenging anyone that's been thinking about going sugar and flour free to do so come January, not necessarily January 1st. You know, again, it took me until January 13th of 2018 to make it happen. But any day of your choosing that you feel ready. Um, So I'm hoping that you've been listening along here. I've been trying to give you tips along the way to make that a little bit of an easier transition. You know, I didn't prepare as much as I probably should have. You know, I was still able to do that with all that said, but I'm hoping that sharing some of my lessons learned will help make your journey go a little bit smoother. So this was going to be chapter five in my book, all about preparation And the first thing I have on my outline, because I have, you know, my whole book outlined, is read, read, read all labels. And I'm probably going to be saying that a lot during this episode. I probably have said it a lot in previous episodes, but it is so true. You have to read your labels. Um, Again, you know, people a lot of times ask me, well, what do you eat? And to me, it's a silly question because I'm like, literally, I eat everything else that doesn't have sugar and flour in it. And the only reason or the only way to tell, you know, what doesn't have sugar and flour in it is to read your labels. So I would suggest, and this isn't something that I did ahead of time and I wish I had, is I wish I'd gone through my pantry of items and started looking through labels to see where sugar and flour might be hiding that I didn't realize it. And then maybe going to the grocery store and, you know, again, the first few times you go to the grocery store and do this, it's going to be a little more time consuming than your typical grocery run. So plan for that. And also don't go to the grocery store hungry. Can we all agree that's never a good idea? So, you know, eat something and go to the grocery store and maybe even bring like a little pad and um, pen or I like to use the notes, you know, in my phone, the notes app, and just kind of write down maybe some brands and things that you see that you could eat. You could start making your list of foods that you will eat when you're sugar and flour free and stuff that sounds really good to you. You know, some people I think 
And part of this, when I was looking at having my book published, I think what they were looking for is for me to supply like recipes and here's how you do it. And this is the exact plan that you follow. This is what you eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner. And that's never worked for me before. And that's why I don't want to suggest that for you either. I really feel like if we do that, it turns this into a diet. And if it turns it into a diet, we're just setting ourselves up for failure. So really personalize it to you and things that sound good to you. Like how many times have you followed like a diet plan? Again, I would do this like every January. I'd find the newest, greatest, diet book out there, you know, maybe from like some celebrity was promoting it or whatever and think, you know, okay, this is going to be the one. And then I'd be trying to like make the exact recipes and really not care for half the food that was on it, but forcing myself to eat it anyway. And surprisingly, I was miserable, you know, or not surprisingly. I mean, of course, if you're eating stuff that you don't like to eat, you're not going to last very long. And that's not what this is about. So make a list of foods that you really enjoy eating. Um, you can, you know, put them in different categories like vegetables, fruits, meats, you know, dairy, whatever. But then make sure you're reading labels. Um, again, the best thing to start with is food that doesn't even have a label, right? Then you don't really have to worry about it. But if there is, if you are buying something like, I don't know, like tomato products are a big one. If you're buying like tomato sauce, like for instance, tonight for dinner, I'm making meatballs with sauce and I'm going to put mushrooms, onions, and garlic, add it to the spaghetti sauce. Um, I should just make my own. I know I'm a lazy Italian, but I use a jar and then add stuff to it. And then I don't do pasta or anything. I just have salad with it. I just do the meatballs, the sauce, and I'll probably have some salad, maybe make some broccoli. And that is just a really delicious, satisfying dinner to me. So I kind of put some of those maybe categories and then different meal ideas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then for things like the tomato sauce, Look at the brands that you're currently using and read the label. You might be surprised. For instance, I was buying these like, because I do a lot of chili and um, I make chicken tortilla soup and a lot of stuff that I use, you need to have canned tomatoes and canned tomato sauce. And I was using like an organic brand thinking, oh, I'm doing well, you know, it's organic. And then I finally read the label and realized that there was added sugar. So again, you're not looking like... A tomato product's going to have sugar in it because there's naturally sugar that occurs in tomatoes. I'm not worried about that. What you're looking for is the actual ingredients, if there is any kind of sugar or flour added. And sugar's tricky because it comes in like a billion different forms. You know, if you haven't already, Google the Food um, Addicts Anonymous, FAA, and they have a really good, I've linked it in earlier episodes. So if I will remember to link that um, to this episode too. I'm just going to make myself a note. So I remember to do that so that you can just click on that and they have a really good list of other like names that sugar comes by. And so you can kind of familiarize yourself with that list, maybe even print it out and bring it to the store. Again, these first few times you go to the store are going to be pretty time consuming. So prepare for that. But then you can really read your labels and make sure you're not getting anything sneaking in there. Like for me, I thought I was making this really healthy choice because it was organic, but I didn't realize 
it didn't matter. They had added sugar in it. So for me, I've talked about before, Muir Glen is a really good brand that they do not add any kind of sugar to their tomato products and their sauces, but there's other products out there too that do not. So just read your labels. I know Muir Glen actually says like on the front of the label itself, no added sugar. Um, but make sure even when I see that I double triple check and read the back of the label. So again, I'm not looking at like where it has the carbohydrates, protein, fiber, sugar there. I'm looking, although sometimes it does say under sugar, it will say added sugar and that should say zero grams. But then I'm also double checking the actual ingredient list and reading every single ingredient on that list and making sure it's not sugar of any kind or any kind of flour. If it is, it's simple. I just don't eat that. I mean, I just stop reading. Nope, I'm done. And a lot of times you can find, you know, like tomato products are a good example. There's some that add it and some that don't. Another thing is like tortilla chips and some brands, like I really like the late July sea salt potato or uh, tortilla chips, but I used to eat the multi-grain ones because I thought they were healthier. They had chia and quinoa in them and they're really, really good, a multi-grain tortilla chip but they had added sugar in it, like evaporated cane syrup or something was the way it was written. And again, this is like the exact, I actually emailed them surprisingly again, or not surprisingly, I didn't hear anything back. Um, Shocker. But I was just like, why would you even add sugar to tortilla chips that doesn't need it? You know, especially when you have other kinds um, under your brand that does not add sugar. So just double check that stuff. You know, again, a lot of people ask me, well, what about gluten-free flour? Can I eat, you know, brown rice um, flour pasta? No. If it says flour at all, no. And for me, that was like the big, big difference of when I've tried to go sugar and flour free or sugar free before, I was still typically eating gluten-free flours, like, you know, pasta or breads. And it, it didn't work. Cause again, I think it's doing this same triggering the same thing in your brain that's triggered when you're having sugar. So even if it's gluten-free flour, it's going to make you want more and more and more. So you need to take it out completely. So yes, it's hard because you have to take out the pasta. You know, you just eat the meatballs like I do now. If I make a burger, I just wrap it in lettuce. There's just no more buns. If I do a sandwich, you know, I went to Jimmy John's recently and they actually have what they call an unwitch. If you, for anyone that has, is familiar with Jimmy John's, I mean, it's hard to go in there because it smells like fresh bread heaven, but it actually was really satisfying. They just did, I did like a turkey um, and cheese sandwich, and I think it had avocado on it, and they wrapped it in lettuce, and it was really, really good. I feel, still felt like I was having a sandwich because before giving up sugar and flour, I ate a lot of sandwiches. Like it was one of my go-to lunches. So that was something that's been hard for me. Um, and this was like a really good way of still enjoying that. And same with like pizza is one of my favorite foods. I don't eat gluten-free pizza. I don't do cauliflower pizza. I mean, technically, I guess I could if it was really just cauliflower in the crust. But again, I'm careful with those things because I think if you um, try to replace something, you might not 
ever get rid of that craving. You know, pizza still sounds good to me, but I don't have the cravings for it that I used to. But if I were trying to eat like cauliflower crusted pizza, I would probably be disappointed and just want to eat the real thing. You know, what I've tended to do, like in when I was in Italy with Chris, I scraped the toppings off of his pizza and ate that and just skipped the crust. And that was satisfying to me. So um, it's just kind of rethinking your meals, but it doesn't have to start with foods that you don't like. You know, if you don't like eggplant, don't eat eggplant. For me, I used to, for years, try to make myself like yogurt, you know, um, just because I knew it was good for you and the probiotics and blah, blah, blah. And I realized I just don't like yogurt. Like, why am I even bothering to eat it? There's so many other foods that I can eat. I'd rather eat things that I enjoy. So, you know, again, you're going to be eating a lot healthier foods, but there you're, you must find some healthy foods that you actually like to enjoy. I know that they're out there. Um, like I found recently, I really like barbecue chicken, but barbecue sauce obviously has a lot of sugar in it. So does ketchup, but there's a brand now, and actually I'm getting up to look in the refrigerator because I think it's called Primal Kitchen, but I want to say the right thing. Yeah, Primal Kitchen, and they make actually like unsweetened ketchup now. So I'm looking at the label, says total sugars one, but that's probably from the tomatoes, and then includes zero grams of added sugars, and then the actual ingredients list organic tomato concentrate, organic balsamic vinegar, less than 2% of salt, organic onion powder, organic garlic powder, organic spices. That's it. Um, and then they also make, they have a different line of stuff, but they also make a barbecue sauce too. Um, and this one I got is classic and it's unsweetened. So again, no added sugar. Um, and it's still really good. You know, I think you'll find that for me, if I was, when I was eating a lot of sugar and flour, it was hard for me to eat healthy food sometimes because like my taste buds were like deadened or whatever to it. Like all I wanted was more and more sugar and junk. Like it was hard for me sometimes to enjoy, even though, like I've said before, one of my favorite meals is chicken and broccoli and like a sweet potato. I know it's so boring, but that usually is a meal like I love. But if I was in like the height of one of my sugar binges, I would not want to eat that at all. Like it almost would make me like nauseous. So, um, you know, you might have that a little bit in the beginning as you're kind of going through withdrawal and changing your taste buds, but they will change. And I've mentioned this in other episodes now where I've noticed that like, even like I crave salad, I've never craved salad before. And I really like butter lettuce. Like that to me is really sweet and almost like a decadent. Carrots are really sweet, sweet potatoes, but even a lot of vegetables like cucumbers, things that never really tasted sweet to me, even broccoli and cauliflower really taste sweet. So your taste buds will change and, and kind of evolve with you on this journey. So you might find yourself trying more things down the road that didn't interest you initially or you haven't liked before as your taste buds change. So keep that in mind. I mean, this whole process is always, always evolving, I think, and you have to constantly be aware of that. But as you're preparing, I think it's really good to start with a list of meals um, or food items that you like and come up with some snack ideas and come up with some breakfast and lunch and dinner 
and just food that you enjoy. And then look for those brands that do not have the added sugar. You know, if you are going to eat tortilla chips, make sure that there's no kind of even corn flour, mesa flour. If you see the word flour, don't eat it. Um, and there are chips that are made without flour. So make sure you look for that. Um, and it's just, again, like I said, kind of changing your meals around. Like I still eat tacos in a way, but I just don't eat the taco shell. So you're basically taking out, you know, someone had told me this like a few years ago that bread basically was the vehicle to deliver the food the good food to your mouth. So whether that was like the bun on a burger or like a taco shell or whatever, it's kind of true. You don't really need that part. You really, the nutrients is in what it's holding. So you're still going to be satisfied. I think you'll be surprised how satisfied for me. Like if I used to eat a burger, it was all about the bun and the French fries. I could really care less about like the burger itself. Now though, that the burger is the main part, I really find that I enjoy it so much more. Um, and I don't need the bun or any of that. Um, so, you know, make a list though. Don't have to feel like you're on a diet. If you do, I guarantee it's not going to last. So I talk a lot about that, that you need to feel like you're full and you need to feel satiated. Um, and you need to feel like satisfaction from what you're eating or it's not going to last. So this isn't a diet. It's a, it's a new way of eating. It's a totally new way. And for it to last, you need to make it so that you enjoy what you're eating. So I would just make a list and start working on what really sounds good to you. Um, I also have mentioned in my, I think, back in episode three, when I talk about what I do eat, how I made a recipe binder. And I highly, highly recommend that to, you know, when people ask me about cookbooks and whatever, I have never really found a cookbook where I enjoy every single recipe in there. Like I used to buy a cookbook for like two recipes, you know? So now I've kind of wisened up and I use Pinterest a lot because, you know, so many recipes are available online for free and I'll just search like whole 30 recipes or because, or paleo even, because I know those things don't have added sugar, um, and then, or flour. And then I print them out. So I have a recipe binder that I've made. It's my own cookbook, if you will, of all my favorite recipes. Um, and so I really just get like a binder with three, you know, little clip things. I three hole punch, print it out, three hole punch it and stick it in my binder. And that's my recipe book. So I highly, highly recommend that. And doing some of that work again ahead of time. I didn't do enough preparation and I still managed, but it would have been a lot easier if I had this all in place beforehand. Um, so the recipe binder is really important. And finding just food, again, that you think you're going to like. Um, I believe also in episode three, if you want to go back to that, I talk about what I eat and I link some of my favorite recipes. So that might be a good start for you. But again, you really have to make this your own. Find what recipes you like. 
as you get more confident, like I have some recipes in my binder that include like maybe sugary stuff in it and I just eliminate that and it tastes just the same. Like again, most of the time where people are adding sugar, they really don't need to. So um, if you do have a recipe that you like, but it includes some things that you're, you know, sugar or flour, see if you can tweak it and remove those things so that you're still, you know, getting to eat the stuff that you like to eat. Um, so that would be my big, big advice around just starting to read all the labels. Cause again, I kept getting like thrown off by in my first, probably like first month, the first few weeks, maybe even six weeks in of reading a label and realizing, oh my gosh, that has sugar in it or stevia, for instance, was in my protein powder I'd been using. And I'm, you know, I don't want any natural sweeteners either. And there I was having stevia still. And I was like, oh, um, and just didn't think about that, like things like protein powder. So try to, you know, go through all those things that you eat regularly now um, and see what you can keep and what you might need to get rid of. For me, I'd want it like kind of out of the house, but that's again for you to come up with a plan with your family or your roommate, whoever you're living with, on how you're going to kind of best support yourself so you're not tempted by things that are going to be, you know, no longer, that you're no longer able to eat. Um, I also would suggest around meals, making like breakfast and lunch as automatic as possible. So what I mean by that is, like, keep it simple. I've, I've said before, I'm not a chef or a big foodie by any means. I am really, really simple and I don't love cooking. I've tried to change my mind around that recently and like, you know, like light a candle and try to relax and play music. Like I know some people like to do that at the end of the day, but for me, it just feels like another chore, but I've tried to change my mindset a little bit. And wow, I'm really like nourishing my body and my family's body. And this is just such a gift. And I try to like put that intent into it. So that's made it a lot easier for me to cook when before I didn't love to, but I don't want to spend a lot of time doing it because it's just not where I find my passion. Now, if you are one of those lucky people that really likes to cook, that's awesome. You can probably come up with so much better recipes than I ever will. Um, and if it's a way that you really enjoy, that's a really good form of self-care too. Not only are you like caring for yourself by eating healthier, but also by doing something that you really enjoy. So I um, applaud you if you are one of those people that really like to cook. That is awesome. But for me, since I don't, I try to keep it basic and as much automatic as I can. So what I mean by that is I basically have like three breakfasts that I rotate on. And right now I'm really stuck on just eating. I pretty much eat scrambled eggs with maybe some sweet potatoes, sometimes bacon and avocado every day. Like that is just what my body wants right now. When I first started this though, I was doing my green smoothie every day because that's what I just felt like. And then sometimes once in a while I'll do steel cut oatmeal too. But I put some, you know, collagen powder in there for the protein. I put coconut oil in there so 
I get the fat. I would put chia seeds and flax seeds. So I kind of load it up with some good stuff and it's just steel cut oatmeal that I cook over the stove, you know, not the quick oat stuff. Um, but I find again, as you start listening to your body more and more, I do best and I feel fullest after I have breakfast with eggs. Um, and then adding the avocado, I think this is a good thing to remember is to make sure you have fat at each meal. Um, that's really, really important. Um, when I was doing the smoothie and added the avocado to my smoothie, that made all the difference in helping me stay full a little bit longer and also making the consistency of the smoothie a lot better. So make sure you make, um, like make sure you have some kind of healthy fat, you know, for so long we were trying to go fat free and we're afraid of fat when really now we're realizing how important fat is if it's the good kind. So for me at breakfast, that's usually avocado, um, or coconut oil if it's my oatmeal. And then for lunch and dinner, what I usually do is whatever dinner is, I make enough so that I can have leftovers for lunch. And then I'm not even worried about it. Um, that's how, what I mean by making lunch automatic by whatever, then you're just really worrying about dinner. So if you're eating basically the same thing for breakfast and you know lunch is going to be left over from dinner the night before, you really are only planning dinners every week. And that makes it a lot more doable, I think. Um, so usually if like for dinner, I make sure I'm using like olive oil when I cook, or if I'm having like a sweet potato, I might put butter on it. Um, you know, something that's like a good, healthy fat, coconut oil, avocado, olive oil, butter. Um, I think that helps us feel more satiated as well. And so make sure that when you're, you know, are cooking and preparing meals for yourself, you don't forget that important ingredient. Um, and then, yeah, so if you're eating for me, that just, again, I used to not like leftovers. I had to retrain myself and you might have to do that too, because I really liked having sandwiches and stuff for lunch. I'm not a big salad person for meals. If salads are satisfying for you, that's awesome. Cause again, that's a really great, easy lunch to do. Like my mom eats a salad pretty much every day for lunch and is satisfied by that. For me, lunch is more like a side. I can't just have that. I mean, salad is the side. I can't just have a salad. I want to have, you know, a main meal too. So usually for dinner, I'm having some kind of meat, some kind of vegetable, um, sometimes a grain like quinoa or brown rice. Sometimes I'll have sweet potatoes or something. Um, but I'm always making sure I have some fat with that as well. So maybe just start thinking about those types of meals that you can make and then how you can make adjust the recipes so that you have enough for your lunch the next day. Um, if you are a salad person, you know, another option is just to have a salad every day and just change up what you're putting in it. You know, again, make sure salad dressings are kind of the worst offenders for added sugar. I don't even know if I have found one honestly at all that has no sugar in it. So if you do, you'll have to let me know. But for me, I love just olive oil. Um, I know I've shared this before. I just do olive oil, salt, pepper, and some dill, sometimes some 
garlic seasoning that I have too. And that to me is so good. You know, I don't need the dressing. Um, and then if you are making a salad, you know, having the olive oil will be some fat or maybe adding some avocado, make sure you add some protein of some kind, you know, a little bit of cheese or if you can't do dairy, which, you know, I've also mentioned, I don't eat a lot of dairy cause I just don't digest it well. So I don't really do much cheese, but you could add some chicken or hard boiled egg or whatever, some fish. Um, just make sure you're kind of getting some veggies, some fat and some protein. And I think you'll be really balanced. Um, in the beginning too, you might need to rely a little bit more on having like a brown rice or quinoa, some of those grains again, that they don't have flour in them. Um, so you can eat those and that, you know, that might help with kind of cravings and stuff at first. But I have found now that I'm going to be almost two years, I don't eat as many grains as I did in the beginning. The one thing I still eat pretty regularly is sweet potatoes, especially because I really like it for breakfast. Um, so just kind of see what, what works for you. Um, what else? I think that's Again, I didn't really do that ahead of time, um, and I wish I had. I mean, I kind of knew healthy meals, so I've been eating healthy. But I think getting your recipe book ready, getting your list of foods that you can eat and brands of things that you can eat, even like your snacks, whether that's going to be, you know, apple slices and almond butter or, you know, a handful of nuts and some fruit, you know, try to combine again when you're eating stuff, like make sure you're kind of trying to get your fat and protein too. Um, you know, I think if you just eat an apple that could spike your blood sugar, or if you eat it with some kind of like fat and protein, like nuts or a nut butter, it's going to kind of slow that down and probably react in your body better. And as far as fruit goes, I get a lot of questions about fruit. You, again, you guys are your own bosses. You're going to have to figure out what fruit works for you. In the beginning I was eating, um, I think half a cup or maybe even a full cup of berries, like strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, a mix, frozen berries that was in my smoothie every day. And that didn't affect me. You know, berries have a lot of good antioxidants and nutrients and vitamins in them. For me, though, bananas, I, I've never done with, well with bananas or pineapple. Those are two things that um, probably because they have a higher sugar content in them that I don't do as well with. So you're just going to have to kind of see what works for you. If you can eat fruit, if it's better for you not to eat fruit, um, you know, right now, sometimes I'll eat an apple, but I, I really don't eat that much fruit anymore. I've kind of lost my taste for it. it. It's sometimes I'll have some berries and they almost seem too sweet. So you'll just have to kind of see, um, we just want to be careful in the beginning not to, you know, accidentally replace, you know, one thing for another, you know, new addiction. Like if you're starting to eat like 10 bananas a day, that could be a problem. So just kind of pay attention to that. And then as far as, you know, grains and stuff, there's some people and some programs that will have you not eat any grains at all. Um, and that was too hard for me to do. So you have to see kind of what works for you. And it's a good time to also start researching any kind of local programs in your area and whether you want to join, you know, a program like that, or if you just want to 
do it on your own. I, I highly recommend at least putting some kind of support system in place. You know, for me, I think I've talked about before, I was really scared. I'd only told my husband, I did not want to tell any other family members or even friends because I was just so embarrassed about like 20 years of different diets and things that I've tried. I just didn't have like it in me to tell people I was giving up sugar and flour and then falling off the wagon. Like I was just too nervous about it. So it wasn't until again, I, five months is kind of what always jumps out in my head of when I've started to kind of see these results and then started feeling more confident and telling people what I was doing. But in the beginning, you know, my husband was really the only person that knew. Um, so But my other support system for me was writing in my journal every day, which I knew I wanted to turn into a book. And so feeling like I had all this community already that was depending on me really helped me keep going. So even if it's just that's your support system, writing in a journal every day, um, just make sure if you have a friend that you can talk to about it, a partner, family member, I think it is helpful because you're going to have some really tough days. Um, And that's why a lot of people do go with finding a program like um, OA or FAA or any of the other, you know, I've, I've interviewed multiple sugar coaches and people that do offer kind of programs that are available for you to try. If you want to get like a sugar coach, you know, whatever works for you, what you think is going to work for you. Um, I do think it's important to have that support. So, but if you are kind of, you know, feel like, nothing really resonates with you. You know, those, you don't want to weigh your food or there's something that doesn't seem to work fully for you. Know that you can create your own program. I mean, that's basically what I did and why I'm giving you all these pieces so you can put it together however you want to. Um, But make sure, you know, you have a plan for that, you know, and the other last episode, we talked about having kind of like, um, you know, emergency, making that like list of, um, you know, what made you want to give up sugar and flour in the first place. So you should have that list of if you have a really bad day and you want to eat sugar and you're reading back on that list, kind of your emergency kits is what I'm going to call it. So that kind of, this is how bad I was feeling and, you know, remembering, okay, I don't want to go back there. I can do this. And then looking at your self-care list, here are my tools and my emergency kit that I can get over this trigger. Um, and then what I also is come up with like, you know, some, a a list too of different restaurants or foods that you can eat kind of in a pinch. So you get stuck at work late and you don't have time to go home and make the dinner you're going to make. Can you stop somewhere and get a rotisserie chicken and some makings for a salad and just have that for dinner? Or, you know, do you have like, you know, somewhere like Chipotle or something, you can go get a burrito bowl. Um, It's that kind of stuff that really helps. So again, if you are in a pinch, I'll talk about, you know, when we get into January of my kind of recap of what my first January was like, it was one of the first few days I forgot my lunch at home. And that, you know, would have totally been an excuse in the past just to binge on whatever I wanted. But instead I went out and got, um, I forget now I'm gonna have to look back at my journal, but I think it was like a Cordoba, some kind of burrito bowl. Cause I knew that was something that worked really well for me. So, um, make sure you come up with kind of your emergency kits of, okay, 
you know, included in that would be your list of triggers, which we've talked about in episode 35, identifying and managing triggers, and then how you're going to, you know, manage your triggers with self-care, having your self-care list, having that, you know, maybe even initial pro-con list that we made from last episode of why you do want to give up sugar. So you can just remember, you know, how bad it was. Sometimes that is the motivation you need to keep going forward. Um, And then I think the other thing that's, you know, kind of a big part of that emergency kit is finding your mantra that's going to work for you. So for me, it was that, um, I just don't do that anymore. I just don't, you know, like just telling myself from the beginning. And it actually was from some kind of parenting book that I was reading about how you're like, you know, parenting and talking like confidently to your kids, like, nope, we just don't do that in our house. We just don't. And so it was kind of that same tone that I just decided to take with myself as, nope, I just don't eat that anymore. I just don't. And I was still like in the beginning, I was pretty much saying that constantly to myself all day long. It just kind of shut down that, you know, thought that I would have, well, don't you want to eat? Nope. I just don't do that anymore. I just don't just shut it down. Um, I find that I don't do that as frequently now because I don't have to, like I said, this is going to get easier and easier, but it is still my, um, mantra when like, if I'm walking through like Jimmy John's the other day and smelled the bread, it still went through my head. Nope. Just, I don't do that anymore. I just don't. And went right to ordering the unwitch with the lettuce wrap. So I think it's really important to find something that, you know, works for you, some kind of mantra that just keeps you on track. Feel free to borrow mine if that sounds appealing to you or make up your own. Again, this is all about what's going to work for you. So um, I do think that's kind of important to have that. And then I think, you know, just in your emergency kit, also having like, what are you going to do? You know, and I know it's really great when you're doing these programs where you kind of have more like a sponsor where you can call your sponsor and say, oh my gosh, I am going to my first family birthday party. Help me come up with a plan. You know, so I think it is nice if you kind of have a sponsor or a friend, some kind of support that you can be proactive with when you know, again, staying on top of those triggers, those times that you know are going to be hard someone that you can kind of hash it out with. So um, that's one thing I think where if you can join a support group of some kind, that's really, really helpful. If you don't do that, see if you can find somebody. You know, for me, that was my husband or just writing about it. I would think about it and write about it, you know, but I did have someone to talk to about it if I needed to just kind of bounce back some ideas. So I think all of that's really, really important. Um, And then make sure that you're really, really practicing self-kindness right now. And through this whole process, you know, I think we are so, 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 so hard on ourselves. I mean, I am especially guilty of that. Um, and I've gotten a lot better about it, but I used to just be so mean to myself about the sugar addiction and so mad at myself for not being able to like quit it. And like, what is wrong with me? You know, just feeling terrible. Um, and I really, you know, when I decided to give it the full year, I also decided I was going to do it in a way that I wasn't like 
berating myself for once, that I was going to be really kind to myself because it was so hard. And then I try to, like, in that situation, think of myself as, like, a friend. Okay, so instead of it being me, I'm picturing one of my best friends, and would I talk to her like this? How would I support her? Wouldn't I be so proud of her for working on our addiction? And wouldn't I tell her how hard it was, like, It's not like it's an easy thing to overcome, and I would be so supportive. So why can't I do that for myself? So I really think if you can, you know, make that a goal as well as to treat yourself like you would your best friend through this, it's going to make it so much easier. You know, it really does no good to just beat ourselves up all the time. And then the other thing you're probably going to really need to think about, and I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, was that concept concept of like last supper eating where it's, oh my gosh, I need to eat everything I can now because I'm never going to be able to eat it again. So when you know people talk about eating disorders and that intuitive eating, they call that last supper eating, that it's really, really bad. And that's why you should tell yourself you don't have to give up anything because um, you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. And that way you don't have that kind of last supper eating. So, which is all well for people that are able to be in moderation, but if you're an addict and you can't, you have to be abstinent. Um, that doesn't really work for us. So I do think you might battle a little bit last supper eating and that's okay. Don't beat yourself up about that either. Cause I'm just here to say I did that, you know, all November, December, And all the way up until January 12th, when I finally, you know, probably ate so much, I felt so gross that January 13th, I was able to, you know, start my first day without having any sugar or flour. So if you have to get it out of your system, I totally get that. I do think, you know, it's easier if you're able to cut back a little bit at a time, but I wasn't able to do that. I think we're all going to do this and approach this differently. So If you can start cutting back, great. If you find that just the thought of having to give up sugar and flour made you want to eat a bunch, which is what happened to me, that's okay too. Um, It's all just part of your process. So be kind to yourself and don't try to compare yourself even to my journey um, because it's not perfect. You know, no one's journey is going to be perfect. And it's more important just to find what works for you. Um, You know, if you are in a support group and you're struggling more than other people, again, don't worry about that. The key is to finding what works for you and not worrying about what has worked for other people because, that's not going to keep you going. It's not going to last your entire lifetime if you make it about, oh, this really works well for them. You know, you really have to customize this into what is going to work for you. I really think that that is the biggest um, key. So just to kind of review a little bit, let's talk about preparation, preparing for giving up sugar and flour forever, making sure to make kind of a list of foods that you can eat, maybe list some brands of foods that you can eat, make sure you're reading all your labels, read, 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 read. And you're going to find like four weeks in that you forgot to read a label and sugar sneaks in or, you know, you just keep reminding yourself, read all your labels, Um, you know, making a recipe binder of recipes that you can cook, making an emergency plan of restaurants you can stop at 
or, you know, grabbing a rotisserie chicken and salad or something on a day that you forget your lunch or you get stay at late work too late just so you don't get too hungry. Um, with your emergency kit, make sure you have your known list of triggers and how to manage those triggers. Have your self-care list, your rituals. Um, make sure you have maybe your list of pros and cons that you wrote of why you are giving up sugar. And you know anything that you have, like for me, I had my really raw journal entry that I wrote and I, you know, read that on one episode about how I was feeling before, just how kind of where I was at my lowest point. And if that is something that you need to refer to, just have your emergency kit in place. And most of all, just practice a lot of patience and kindness with yourself. Um, Know that you are going to be mess up. It's not going to be perfect, but make sure you're very, very kind. Treat yourself like you would a friend. Get your support system in place, whether that's you know, joining a program or creating your own, but make sure you do have some kind of support person that you can talk with and make sure you have your mantra of, for me, you know, it was, I don't do that anymore. I just don't, but whatever mantra works for you. And just remember that you might experience some last supper eating, especially around the holidays, you know, you get kind of frantic and it's stressful and there's a lot of triggers going on. But, you know, do what you kind of need to do, but get as ready as you can, because I think preparation is the key to making this a lot more smooth um, and just making the transition a lot easier. So I hope that's helpful for everybody. Stay tuned for next week's episode. I'm going to interview a psychiatrist, Dr. Ann Childers, and she has some really, really great information to share. So Look out for that next. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.